my bookstore is open. It's about time. Everything that we've so far stocked upon the shelf is either my own original publication or literature which has greatly inspired my own research. There are already several books available for purchase and a great many more being worked on. I'm particularly excited to premiere a restored names edition of the Aramaic Targum, putting Yahuwah the Most High Elohim back into the Lord God. But then there are the volumes of extra-canonical literature which are already being put out, each of which comes from my own personal collection, is sectioned off by genre, and has been likewise edited so that names of its key players might be restored to health. And let's not forget the one you were all hoping for, Millennial Kingdom plus Mud Flood. The wait is over. One of the ways you can support this ministry is by picking up your very own copy. I do appreciate your generosity. Shalom. Shalom Israel. My name is Noel. This is the Diaspora of Yasharel. And I told you last week, I was listening to the recording uh, as I was editing it, and I actually said, I have a feeling that I will be here next week, and here we are. Still not the father of a third child. Uh, we are making progress, though. Uh, hopefully my, my uh, hopefully Sarah doesn't mind me saying she has lost her plugs, which means it can mean that she can go into labor within the next hour. On average, it would be three days, or it could be a week, or it could be four weeks. So <laughs> there's no exact science to this, but the good news is, is she is making progress. We're getting closer, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, we are going to be starting out tonight reading from First Clement. We're going to be finishing the book. And before I forget, we are joined... I am joined tonight by Michael, and he will be giving commentary on the Aramaic Targum Genesis. I can't wait. I always look forward to what he studies. Like I'll be, I was studying today through chapter three, and I'm going, huh? I wonder what. Like I'm trying to guess what Michael is going to make commentary on, and I, I rarely do guess right. He usually um, throws some curveballs my way. All right, so I dropped in here. You can look at the PDF file or the article on my website where I edited First Clement. You can pick and choose and follow along with me. We are on chapter 44. Now, I made some big strides this week on, I feel, on researching this book. And I read a, a letter that Clement apparently wrote to Yaakov in Yerushalayim. And in this letter, he talks about how Peter has just died. And he's basically saying, like, all right, you're the the way I'm going to say this is going to sound really wrong, like it's like a mobster thing. But he's like, all right, you're the head of the church in uh, Yerushalayim out here in the West, in the far West in Rome. Kifa, he put me in charge. I'm just letting you know that Kifa made him the bishop of of Rome. In this letter he writes, he actually holds up the whole the Nazarene Acts of the Apostles or the uh, Clementine homilies, I should say. And 
Clement, basically, he was he was not a disciple of Paul. He was a disciple of Peter. And he followed Peter around on all his travels, just like John Mark did. John Mark was there for a lot of it. John Mark writes a gospel. Clement, he writes the Clementine homilies. Now it's debated whether or not he wrote it. I have no reason to believe he didn't. In fact, this letter he writes to Kepha sounds just like the Clementine homilies. Now I say all this because tonight, as we finish the book, we're going to be reading about the schism. Clement, specifically, he gets right into the meat of it. And it is very apparent that the schism was over Peter and Paul. And the other thing, too, and I want to point out here is that the more I've read of this, I have been convinced through this, that this book truly was written in the 60s. Uh, the same time as Revelation is being written. And it's funny because the scholars will say it was the same time as Revelation, but they'll say it was the 90s. They got they have to stretch out time for a reason. Uh, we don't need to go into that now, but you guys probably know why. And it is clear that Jerusalem has not fallen when this letter is written. Um, the temple has not fallen. The Levites are still in control. And, you know, everything is going as planned. But Peter and Paul have died, and he is basically talking about that and trying to make amends. Now, apparently, one of the things I do a lot is I tick people off. That is not my intent. I want to assure everybody that as a researcher and a writer and as a presenter, this I don't sit here and go, hmm, what can I do that's really controversial that's going to tick people off? I just happen to have a very inquisitive mind. Like I, I you know, I just, I'm curious about things and I, I, I seek stuff out and I ask questions. I ask a lot of questions that I'm not allowed to be asked. I don't need to go over all those now. If you guys are familiar with what I have presented in the past, you know about some of that. Well, one of the things that happened is the, the Paul investigation. And I feel like I've, I've, I've started to make some strides just so everybody knows just recently I opened up the investigation again after two years, two years ago, I shut down the Paul investigation. It was a very traumatic experience. I went through, I, as many of you guys know, I declared Paul to be a false apostle. Um, and I started writing about it. I started researching. I started writing I started, you know, getting into his letters and throwing stuff out there. I put out several papers on it and I went through a very traumatic experience where I watched Almost everybody that was standing with me basically denied Messiah. And not only that, denied scripture and just fell away, completely fell away. And then I'm standing there, just me and a few other guys in the room. And I'm like, what in the world happened? It was such a traumatic experience that I immediately took all my work down, everything on Paul. I took it down in this Discord chat where I'm, we're talking now. I took down the Paul room and I was like, I don't even want people talking about this right now. And I put up an apology letter for anybody who wanted to read it or view it and just letting them know like, Hey, I am sorry for causing anyone to stumble in the faith, whatever I've taken all this down. And it's been two years now of just trying to loosen that baggage and also get over the wounds. It was very traumatic for me. And I finally, I kept praying uh, to Yah. So I wasn't even looking any further in it. I just, whatever I research, I research, I, I couldn't even pick up his letters anymore. And I started praying to Yah to let me know when I was clear, when he wanted me to start looking into this again. And I feel like I, I've had my wounds healed uh, and I feel ready to go back into it again. And it finally came to the point where, uh, and first Clement and others have been very, very helpful to me. I finally got to the point where I have admitted 
I guess seceded that the the Paul from the book of Acts, and I'm not talking about any of his letters at this point, the Paul from the book of Acts, I am legitimately convinced that he was legit, uh, that he uh, that he followed Torah. And in fact, uh, I'll be giving a presentation about this in the future. When you look at a book, they have these uh, these narrative arches. And if you, you you try to hook on to what they are, well, one of the narratives of the book of Acts is false testimony. And the entire book, the narrative is the false testimony put on the Jews, on Yahusha, on Stephen, and then Shaul. At the very end of it, you see the Jerusalem group, you see Yaakov standing up for Shaul and saying he did not change the traditions of Moses. And so... This I think this is really helpful as we dig into this tonight because you are seeing Clement, who is not, he owes Paul nothing. He is not a disciple of Paul. You're seeing him stick up for Paul. And and personally, I think the discussion that we're, we have about Paul, whether he's a true apostle or a false apostle, that was the same conversation that the first century church was having. They were all debating this. I think that there were a lot of people in these congregations when Paul would write them a letter, they'd be like, oh, please, please don't say you're coming to visit us. Oh, he just said he's coming to visit us. You know, like, I think that there were a lot of people who really didn't like him. That being said, I think that there's something very healthy about having these discussions and trying to seek these things out. And I am not um, supporting any of these letters at this time. I don't even know if that's the same guy. All is what I'm saying is, is that the book of Acts and I think the historical person that that Clement is talking about, that you know, Clement is coming from the tradition of Peter. Peter supported him. I'm convinced now. Yaakov supported him, and um, and uh, Clement did as well. And I'll be, you know, I'll be talking about that a little bit in the future. I know that's going to up upset a lot of uh, my readership, um, but um, that's kind of where I'm at. All right, so let's start reading. I think we are on chapter 44. And this is where we cut off last week, and he's talking about he's going to go into, you know, uh, he defined the, the shiz in the past, and but now we're going to really see it. Here we, here we go. And our apostles knew through our Adonai Yahushua Messiah that there would be strife over the name of the bishop's office. So, um, again, he doesn't go into specific, he doesn't call any names out here, but we know, we know the two. And also um, possibly uh, strife over him being bishop. That could be too. You know, it's interesting that the, the Catholic Church says that uh, they claim Linus uh, was the successor to, to Kepha. Yet we find, I can't find any documents that say he was. All the documents I can find say that Clement was his successor. So you even see that even throughout history, there was this debate um, on the subject. For this cause, therefore, having received complete foreknowledge, they appointed the aforesaid persons, and afterwards they provided a continuance that if these should fall asleep or die, other approved men should succeed to their ministration. Those, therefore, who were appointed by them or afterward by other men of repute with the consent of the whole church and have ministered unblameably to the flock of Messiah and lowliness of mind peacefully and with all modesty and for long time have borne a good report with all these men we consider to be unjustly thrust out from their ministration so what he's talking about here uh, first of all is that the the apostles the 12 were appointing bishops now when we hear bishop we think of you know we think of the roman catholic church keep in mind that that yahushua had already assigned the 70 
Okay, there were the 70 on top of the 12. They were considered like lowercase apostles, but they were bishops too. And they were put all, they were, you know, this authority that was put all over. And unfortunately, the same, you know, what we see is with Moses, he did the exact same thing. He put in, you know, the Sanhedrin, he put in this, this leadership. Unfortunately, that leadership capsized. It was taken over by some very bad people, the, the controllers who took over. We see the same thing happening here. It's inevitable. You know, Yahuwah sets up this this program, and the uh, the the sons of darkness come in and take it over, and we see that happening. However, uh, clearly the apostles, I think that they saw that coming too. And keep in mind, this is not the only document I've seen. This I've seen multiple documents where they set up uh, specifically bishops. But uh, we see that he says that some having borne a good report. They were unjustly thrust out from their ministration. Okay, so let's think about that. Who, what might be going on as Clements is coming in and into his office? For it will be no light sin for us if we thrust out those who have offered the gifts of the bishop's office unblameably and holily. Blessed are those pres uh, by presbyters. Who have gone before, seeing that their departure was fruitful and ripe, for they have no fear lest anyone should remove them from their appointed place. So he's saying these people, like even if you remove them from their appointed place, they're already dead. They don't have to worry about it. For we see that ye have displaced certain persons, plural, though they were living honorably from the ministration, which had been respected by them blamelessly. So the Jerusalem group and the main apostles. Put these people in position. Uh, it seems like more than one, and they said they were blameless. They were Torah observant. They kept the law, and these other people came in as rebels, and they threw them down and took over. That's a, the the most details that we have on what happened. Be contentious, brethren, and jealous about the things that pertain unto salvation. Ye have searched the scriptures, which are true. Uh, the scriptures, keep in mind, is, is the Torah and the Tanakh, right? There's no New Testament. And he's saying that the Torah is true. The Tanakh is true. All that is true. It hasn't been done away with. Which we were given through the Ruach HaKadosh. And ye know that nothing unrighteous or counterfeit is written in them. Ye will not find that righteous persons have been thrust out by holy men. That's something to really think about here as we... Um, if we accuse people, if we throw, if we try to throw them out of their office or whatever, and this is a true statement. Uh, if you search the scriptures, uh, I, I assume this is true. I, maybe he's wrong. I don't know. But if we search the scriptures, I would assume that no righteous person has ever been thrust out by holy men. Um, you mean, you look at, you know, David and others. Um, so righteous men were persecuted, but it was by the lawless, always the lawless. They were imprisoned, but it was by the unholy. They were stoned by transgressors, transgressors of the law. Uh, we see that with Stephen, by the way. Um, what a, the interesting accusation against Stephen was uh, that he was changing the, the traditions and the law. And they actually had to have false witnesses. It says in Acts, there were false witnesses brought forward to say that he was changing the law and that Messiah was as well. And so... You can see there that they were breaking the law in order to accuse him of breaking the law. It's very ironic. They were slain by those who had conceived a detestable and unrighteous jealousy. Suffering these things, they endured nobly. 
For what must we say, brethren? Was Daniel cast into the lion's den by them that feared Elohim? No. Or were Ananias and Azarias and Mazael shut up in the furnace of fire by them that professed the excellence and glorious worship of the Most High? No. Far be this from our thoughts. He's, he's saying, like, why? Basically, like, why are the religious people who believe the Bible to be true the worst at persecution? Like, they love to persecute others in the faith and create these schisms. Far be this from our thoughts. Who then were they that did these things? Abominable men and full of all wickedness were stirred up to such a pitch of wrath as to bring cruel suffering upon them that served Elohim in a holy and blameless purpose. And isn't that interesting here how, um, you know, th this is one of the things I really struggle with Paul's letters, where it's this idea that uh, there's no one righteous, that that's very Pauline. And yet here he, throughout these letters, this letter, Clement is saying that, no, there were people who were holy and blameless. You know, you talk to any Christian, they're like, no, 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 you know, uh, Messiah, he was the only, you know, Jesus Christ, he was the only blameless one. It's like, well, uh, obviously not, the ancients didn't believe that. They they would read Torah and go, no, you can uh, you can be righteous. You can choose not to sin. You could repent of your sins and you could be righteous. All right, so starting at abominable men and, and full of all wickedness were stirred up to such a pitch of wrath as to bring cruel suffering upon them that served Elohim in a holy and blameless purpose, not knowing that the Most High is the champion and protector of them, that in a pure conscience, isn't that interesting, that you too can have a pure conscience, served his excellent name, unto whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. But they that endured patiently in confidence, inherited glory and honor, they were exalted and have their names recorded by Elohim in their memorial forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is going to be a, a theme he's going to develop here, that those who suffered patiently. Uh, now, he mentions a few names here, like Daniel and you know Shidrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But most of these people who suffered, we don't know their names. We don't know who they are. They didn't make a name for themselves. They made a name for the Most High and for his son, Yahushua. As a result of that, uh, they inherited glory and honor, and they were exalted. And this is the great part. And have their names recorded by Elohim in their memorial forever and ever. Amen. That is what I want for myself. That is so, like, I hope that is all of our hope, that we could be recorded um, with honor and glory forever and ever. But we're going to see that the schisms start by the people who want to make a name for themselves, which is the entire attitude of the Tower of Babel. When you go back to Genesis 11, you read that the reason they created the Tower of Babel was to make a name for themselves. And that is like just the social media uh, environment. You know, you go out there anywhere, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere, it's all about making a name for yourself. Chapter 46, to such examples as these, brethren, we also ought to cleave, for it is written, cleave unto the saints, for they that cleave unto them shall be sanctified. Well, that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if I could back that up at scripture with scripture right now. That's something we could talk about, because uh, it almost sounds a little Roman Catholic to me. Um, but yeah, so, so say that again, cleave unto the saints, for they that cleave unto them shall be sanctified. 
And again, he's safe in another place. So it is it is written. So I don't know where that's written. Unfortunately, I don't I don't have that written down. I don't know. Um, if someone can find it, let me know. And again, he's safe in another place. With the guiltless man, thou shalt be guiltless. And with the elect, thou shalt be elect. And with the crooked, thou shalt do, deal crookedly. That probably anywhere in the Psalms or Proverbs. Let us therefore cleave to the guiltless and righteous. And these are the, the elect of Elohim. So choose your company wisely. Uh, blessed is the man who, uh, what is it? No, that's Psalm 1. Blessed, in the, blessed is the man who delights in the law of Elohim, and he meditates on that law day and night. That's not the one about, uh, maybe it's Proverbs 1 I'm thinking about, about not being in the uh, the seat of the mockers. Wherefore are there strifes and wraths and uh, factions and divisions and war among you? Again, the war among who? The, the set apart. We're the worst at this. We, we, we create more war against each other than like the, the going don't even care about us. Like it, they, they usually just leave us alone. We talked about how they're persecuting us. We persecute each other more than they ever do. Wherefore are there strifes and wraths and factions and divisions and war among you? Have we not one Elohim and one Messiah and one spirit of grace that was shed upon us? And is there not one calling in Messiah? Wherefore do we tear and rend asunder the members of Messiah and stir up factions against our own body and reach such a pitch of folly as to forget that we are members one of another? Remember the words of Yahusha or Adonai, for he said, Woe unto that man. It were good for him if he had not been born, rather than, at, uh, than that, at he should offend one of mine elect. Now that's interesting because. Um, he might have been quoting from a gospel there, but you actually see in Clement's letters that he's he's quoting, I think, from a lot of oral tradition at this point. And when you get into Second Clement, he actually quotes things from Messiah that is not recorded in any of the gospels. So that's really interesting. And I, if I recall, uh, Yahushua actually said one of my little ones. Um, you know, just a little little switch there. But um, so, anyways, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about him and be cast into the sea than that he should pervert one of mine elect. And I believe that comes from Matthew. Your division hath perverted many. It hath brought many to despair, many to doubting, and all of us to sorrow, and your sedition still continueth. So it's saying it would be better that, you know, uh, he's quoting Yahushua saying, it'd be better that you were never born if you're one of those people that are just here to cause division. Take up the epistle of the blessed Shaul, the apostle. Now, I'll say here that he calls him the blessed Shaul, the apostle. And I'm kind of reminded of uh, of uh, Kepha in Second in Second Peter, where he's like, he calls him our, I was that, like a beloved brother or something like that. I almost feel like, I don't know if they're like overcompensating or what, like it, almost like subconsciously he's like, he knows that a lot of people have a problem with uh, Shaul. So he calls him the blessed, you know, Shaul. Like he doesn't call his, his own master, uh, if, you know, he's the disciple, right? The, the person who mentored him, Peter, he doesn't call him like the blessed Kepha. You see what I'm saying? It's kind of interesting to see them uh, do that with uh, Shaul. Like he's sticking it. He's, he's like sticking his neck out for him. Put it that way. What wrote he first into you in the beginning of the gospel? Of a truth, he charged you in the spirit concerning himself and uh, Cephas and Apollos, because that even then he had made parties. 
So we see that even back then, there was immediate division very early on. Yet that making of parties brought less sin upon you, for ye were partisans of, apo uh, of apostles that were highly reputed and of a man approved in their sight. So now we know who the man is who was approved in their sight, guys. Paul was, Shaul. He's been referring to him several times, that there was a man approved in their sight who has been cast out. So, you know, you can you can look at this and go, well, Clement is apostate too, or I don't know. But this just gives me so much more clarity as to what was going on in the first century. And if you look at the book of Acts, at the very end of the book of Acts, Yaakov is actually standing up side by side with Shaul. And he's saying, look, what you're claiming that he's he's advocating against the law, it's not true. Again, I can't, I can't, um, I will, I can't defend all of his letters. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there were two Pauls, you know, maybe they were concocted by the somebody else later on. I don't know. But the, I'm talking about the historical first century man who walked the earth. You see here, according to Clements, that not only he, but the apostles supported him. They, they lifted him up. And we see that this is the schism over Paul. But now mark ye who they are that have perverted you and diminished the glory of your renowned love for the brotherhood. So now they, what this has caused them to do is they don't even have love for the others in Messiah anymore. Their own body parts. He's saying, they don't even love them anymore. It's like, if you're going to, if you're going to follow Paul and his teachings, you're, we're, we're not even going to talk to you. Now, of course, the script, the script has flipped now, right? Now that Paul is in control, uh, anyone who doesn't uh, support him, they're the ones kind of tossed out. It is shameful, dearly beloved, yes, utterly shameful and unworthy of your conduct in Messiah, that it should be reported that the very steadfast and ancient church of the Corinthians, for the sake of one or two persons, so one or two persons, so Paul and Apollos uh, seem to be the two guys mentioned here, maketh sedition against its presbyters. And this report hath reached not only us, but them also which differ from us. So who are these people that differ? So again, we so that's very clear that we have people who have different points of view in the first century. They weren't all united. Like there was not this perfect picture that we are taught in the church that they were all of the exact same doctrine. And then, you know, the Roman Catholic Church perverted everything. If anything, the Roman Catholic Church centralized the very word Catholic, right? They centralized the faith to one uh, upheld belief. But the first century, there were many different factions. Uh, let's see, where was I? And this report hath reached not only us, but them also which differ from us, so that ye even keep blasphemies on the name of Ehua. Oh, please don't do that. By reason of your folly, and moreover, create peril for yourselves. Chapter 48. Let us therefore root this out quickly, and let us fall down before the master and entreat him with tears, that he may show himself uh, propietist and be reconciled unto us and may, may restore us to the seemly and pure conduct which belongeth to our love of the brethren. Now keep in mind here, what's interesting about Clement is that he's not arguing for his denomination. He's not arguing in favor. Whatever whatever all his beliefs are, like clearly there are already different, uh, I can't say schisms, denominations. He is against the schisms and he's already defined it. I'm going to keep repeating this. It is rebellion against you know the 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 people that the apostles have put in place the leadership 
For this is a gate of righteousness open unto life, as it is written, Open me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter in thereby and preach Yahuwah. This is the gate of Yahuwah, the righteous shall enter in thereby. Seeing then that many gates are open, which is that gate which is in righteousness, even that which is in Messiah, whereby all are blessed that have entered in and direct their path in holiness and righteousness, performing all things without confusion. Let a man be faithful. Let him be able to expound a deep saying. Let him be wise in the discernment of words. Let him be strenuous in deeds. Let him be pure. For so much the more ought to be he to be lowly in mind, in proportion as he seemeth to be the greater. And he ought to seek the common advantage of all and not his own. That is the, you know, you hear like leadership classes and stuff like a true leader, like he's describing it right there. That if you want to be a leader of the church, then it is not about seeking your own good. It is about seeking the good of, you know, the, the congregation. And as you perceive yourself to become greater, then you need to be all the lowlier of mind. And obviously, you know, rebellion is not uh, based out of humility. Chapter 49, let him that hath love and Messiah fulfill the commandments of Messiah. Now, that's interesting there because I was looking at that and going, oh, you could define that to say that, you know, people will argue that Messiah, Yahushua, uh, or I'll just say Jesus, I guess, that he had his own commands apart from the Father. Uh, when I read that, I go, no, Messiah's uh, commands were those of his Father. And he says that, you guys know this. But um, so let me say that again. Let him that hath love in Messiah fulfill the commandments of Messiah. Who can declare the, ba the bond of the love of Elohim? Who was sufficient to tell the majesty of its beauty? The height where unto love exalteth is unspeakable. Now he's defining love here by what? By doing the commands. If you love him, this is straight out of John. Uh, I think first John, uh, the gospel of John too. You can, if you love him, obey his commands. The height where unto love exalteth is unspeakable. Love joineth us unto Elohim. Love covereth a multitude of sins. Well, of course, being pure and uh, righteous and obeying Torah would cover a multitude of sins, wouldn't it? And that's love. Love endureth all things. This long suffering in all things. There is nothing coarse, nothing arrogant in love. Uh, that would be you would come at you know the learning with humility, right? We don't want to come uh, with an arrogant attitude when we are here to learn and you know learn from each other. Love hath no divisions. Love maketh no seditions. Love doeth all things in concord. In love were all the elect of Elohim made perfect. Without love, nothing is well-pleasing to Elohim. In love, the master took us unto himself for the love which he had toward us. Yehusha, Messiah, or Adonai, hath given his blood for us by the will of Elohim and his flesh for our flesh and his life for our lives. Now, that's a really interesting quote there because what I wish I had done is see if I could back that up with either uh, anything from Kifa or Yochanan. And personally, I don't, I'm convinced that Peter had a lot of, um, he, he, we don't have a lot from Kifa because he was so concerned about people twisting his words. 
So when you're looking in, when he's writing in Second Kepha and Second Peter about people twisting Paul's words, I actually just read a letter recently that is purported to be written from Peter to Yaakov in Jerusalem, and he says the same thing. He actually delivers a book to him, and I don't know if we even have this book, but he's like, I don't even want people reading this because they're. He said the lawless are going to twist my words to lawlessness. That was clearly a big concern of Kepha. He did not want his words twisted. And so he seemed to be very reserved and held back. I know people like that. I know pastors that have talked to me be like, I don't even like to write anything on social media because people are going to twist it. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But point is, is that normally it's a very Pauline doctrine that, you know, that the idea that, you know, Yahushua gave his blood for us. Um, and I would like to, you know, do a, a study on that and try to look at other places where Clement is getting this from. Did this come directly from Peter, for example? You see, dearly beloved, how great and marvelous a thing is love, and there is no declaring its perfection. Who is sufficient to be found therein, save those to whom Elohim shall vouchsafe it? Let us therefore entreat and ask of his mercy that we may be found blameless in love, standing apart from the factitiousness of men. All the generations from Adam unto this day have passed away, but they that by Elohim's grace were perfected in love dwell in the abode of the pious, and they shall be made manifest in the visitation of the kingdom of Elohim. Now, it, I had to read this several times, and what I think he's saying here is that there's something about his generation. Again, I'm, play, I'm pitting him in the 40-year generation. He's saying, that those in that generation, he says, from Adam up to them, they've all passed away. All right. Um, but he's saying that they, um, okay, that they by uh, they that by Elohim's grace, so he's talking to now, I think he's flipping it to his generation, who are perfected in love, meaning you obey his commands, as he already just said, dwell in the abode of the pious and they shall be made manifest in the visitation of the kingdom of Elohim. So the people of that generation will return with Yahusha and reign with him, which has been my theory all along. I think that's what he's saying, which is a really exciting thought. That brings some people to despair because they're like, what are you saying? No, I missed out on. Well, yeah, you did actually, but you good. The good news is you didn't miss out on eternity. You still got that to look forward to for it is written, enter into the closet, for a very little while, until mine anger and mine wrath shall pass away, and I will remember a good day and will raise you from your tombs. Blessed were we, dearly beloved, if we should be doing the commandments of Elohim in concord of love to the end that our sins may through love be forgiven us. For it is written, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom Yahuwah shall impute no sin, neither is guilt in his mouth. This declaration of blessedness was pronounced upon them that have been elected by Elohim through Yahushua Messiah or Adonai, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you, about you guys, but that is my prayer. That has been my prayer my entire life. Before I even knew about the the Torah, about the instructions of righteousness, back when I was a teenager, I used to pray that he would forgive me for any sins that I didn't even know I committed. I didn't even know that was a thing in Torah. I had no idea that there was actually uh, sacrifices for the unknown sins. And I asked him many, many times to, to teach me and show me 
uh, what you know what sins were, what I was committing, and this right here that it's just the idea that he would uh, he would forgive us and cover our sins and remember them no more. That is just I hope that's all of our prayer. Chapter 51, for all our transgressions, which we have committed through any of the wiles of the adversary, uh, Hasatan, let us entreat that we may obtain forgiveness. Yea, they also who, and this is the complete opposite of Christianity today. Christianity today is so entitled. They, they're like, now I don't want to be like, you know, blanket all of them. Cause there are still some denominations out there that, you know, we'll talk about obedience. They may confuse a a thing or two about obedience, but they're, they still have like, Hey, if you want to take this walk seriously, you need to be obedient. Most of Christianity though, is very like, like we deserve this. We deserve salvation. You know, you don't have to do anything. You just live your life and you're going to receive your rewards. Now, of course, Clement already addressed that and said that they're going to have a unpleasant surprise coming to them. Yea, and they also who set themselves up as leaders of faction and division ought to look to the common ground of hope. For such as walk in fear and love desire that they themselves should fall into suffering rather than their neighbors. This is purely biblical. That's what Yahushua did. He took on suffering for us. That's what Moses wanted to do, right? He was an advocate. He was like, he's, you know, I was just reading that today in our Torah portion where time again, Yahoo is like, that's it. I'm, I'm done with Israel. I'm striking them off the, the map. I'm erasing them. going to destroy them all. And Moses is like, no, 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 please destroy me. Destroy me instead. And, you know, he always spared them because of Moses. And it's, it's just, that's what Yahushua did, right? He's, we are, we are spared from a, a fate in Sheol and death because of Yahushua. And, those who are causing schisms ought to look at this. And and what he's saying here is that those who are rebelling and causing the schisms don't have the Messiah's heart. They, they don't look at these people who have a different theology than a different doctrine, different point, and be like, you know, yeah, uh, you know, don't, you know, take me instead of them. You know, if, if, if you please don't punish them, punish me. You know, I, I will take the punishment for them. That's what he's saying. That is the, having the heart of Messiah, right? Having such a, a love and a desire that everyone come to the truth. For such as walk in fear and love, desire that they themselves should fall into suffering rather than their neighbors. And they pronounce condemnation against themselves rather than against the harmony which has been handed down to us nobly and righteously. And by the way, Enoch did the same thing with the Watchers. He went up to be an advocate for them. And of course, Yahuwah was like, no, sorry, uh, it's not going to happen. But he went up there and he spoke on their behalf. For it is good for a man to make confession of his trespass rather than to harden his heart, as the heart of those was hardened who made sedition against Moshe, the servant of Elohim, whose condemnation was clearly manifest. For they went down to Hades alive. Amazingly, that is the exact portion that we read in our Torah portion today, Korah's Rebellion. And it's it's pretty freaky because Korah is standing there with 250 other men and their families. And they're like, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is in all of us. You know, we've all got the Shekinah glory and we have visions and he's and and Yah is telling us things that is uh, different than what Moses is being told. And we're going to uh, incite a schism. We're a little rebellion here because 
uh, we don't want to obey what uh, Yahuwah is telling Moshe because he's telling us something different. We encounter those people all the time, guys. It's pretty scary. And death shall be their shepherd. That's referring to Korah. Pharaoh and his hosts and all the rulers of Egypt, their chariots and their horsemen were overwhelmed in the depths of the Red Sea and perished for none other reason but because their foolish hearts were hardened after that the signs and the wonders had been wrought in the land of Egypt by the hand of Moshe, the servant of Elohim. Of course, some of the Israelites met a similar fate uh, that they also uh, hardened their hearts and rebelled and they were destroyed despite all the signs and wonders. Chapter 52, the master brethren hath need of nothing at all. He desireth not anything of any man, save to confess unto him. Did you get that, guys? And this is this, this can be backed by the Old Testament. This goes back to Torah. People think that in Torah, like there's no repentance and you have to like do all these like sacrifices and stuff. It's like, no, from the very beginning, all he ever wanted from us, the only thing was our repentance. We go before him, we confess our sins, we and be like, I screwed up, I feel short forgive me. I don't ever want to do that again. Help me not do that again. That is the heart he wants from us. That's the only thing he desireth. Those are the works he wants. And when we, of course, do that, when we, you know, have the heart for Yah, we will then have the works, right? Uh, you know, you don't, you, you can't have, you can't have works without a heart. You can have works, but if there's no heart, it's, it's worthless. For the elect David saith, I will confess unto Yua, Yahuwah, and it shall please him more than a young calf that groweth horns and hoofs. So do you see what he said there? And, and he's he's probably he's quoting from the LXX uh, Septuagint, but you know that that's where David says that you know he doesn't want our sacrifice; he wants our uh, repentance. Uh, he he wants that more than sacrifice. Uh, let the poor see it and rejoice. <laughs> so because the poor can't afford it i mean that really so the the poor should because you know the, the rich could go oh, i'll sacrifice all i want and i don't have to repent i can keep being stubborn and have a hard heart i'll just that's where he was sick and tired of their sacrifices and again he says sacrifice to elohim a sacrifice of praise and pay the vows to the most high and call upon me in the day of thine affliction and i will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me for sacrifice unto elohim is a broken spirit Chapter 53. I don't know about you guys. I, I feel like he's summing up the whole Old Testament Torah so beautifully. Better, I'll say it, better than anything Paul wrote. Um, I'm not, you know, knocking on the guy, but he he makes it so clear, so uh, transparent. There's no confusion here. It just makes sense. For ye know and know well the sacred scriptures, dearly beloved, and ye have searched into the oracles of Elohim. Oracles means the, the prophets. We write these things, therefore, to put you in remembrance. When Moshe went up into the mountain and had spent 40 days and 40 nights in fasting and humiliation, Elohim said unto him, Moshe, Moshe, come down quickly hence, for my people whom thou leadest forth from the land of Egypt have wrought, wrought iniquity. They have transgressed quickly out of the way which thou didst command unto them. They have made for themselves molten images. And Yahuwah said unto him, I have spoken unto thee once and twice, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff net. Let me destroy them utterly, and I will blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation great and wonderful and numerous more than this. Now, you notice here that he said in verse 2 that Moshe, uh, he was fasting in humiliation. 
which then, you know, that's the, that's the hook there. Verse 4, and Moshe said, Nay, not so. Adonai, forgive this people their sin, or blot me also out of the book of the living. O mighty love, O unsurpassable perfection, the servant is bold with his master. He asketh forgiveness for the multitude, or he demandeth that himself also be blotted out with them. Now, I see so much zealousness online. And a lot of us, when we come over to Torah, we become, you know, they call it Torah terrorism for a reason. We become so passionate about the truth and we want everybody else to see the truth. But we become misguided when we're just shoving it in people's faces and saying, you know, you need to repent and, you know, you don't have the truth and I have the truth and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I, I mean, I get this in my mailbox all the time. What, you, what is a rarity to see out there is for people to be like um, what he says here at the end. He asketh forgiveness for the multitude or he demandeth that himself also be blotted out with them. That what Clements is saying is the heart of Messiah right there. If you want to have the heart of Messiah, you know, you be an advocate for the people. Chapter 54, who therefore is noble among you? Who is compassionate? Who is, fu who is fulfilled with love? He's asking, I don't know if it's a rhetorical question. Maybe he knows that there are no loving and compassionate people he's running to. I don't know. Let him say, if by reason of me there be faction and strife and divisions, I retire. Woo. I depart, whether ye will, and I do that which is ordered by the people. Only let the flock of Messiah be at peace with its duly appointed presbyters. So he's saying, like, if you, if you realize that you were a cause of this schism and this division, like, yeah, maybe you should retire and just, and if, I mean, if, you, if you're truly repentant for what you did, you're going to just walk away. You know, and hang up the hat. We don't want to be in that position where we cause these schisms. He shall that he that shall have done this shall win for himself great renown in Messiah. And every place will receive him. Now, the reason why this would be so hard for someone to do that is why are they causing a schism? Because they're trying to make a name for themselves, not Messiah. But if they repent and realize that it's all about Messiah, they're going to step down, walk away from the podium, and it says, then, even though he will no longer have a name with the people, he will have a name with who? With Messiah. And that's what we want. We want to have, you know, we want to be written in the book of life, right? We want to have a name with him. That it goes on, we want to be held in honor with him forever. I mean, that's my, that's my hope. He that shall have done this shall win for himself great renown in Messiah, and every place will receive him. For the earth is the Adonai's and the fullness thereof. Thus have they done and will do that live as citizens of that kingdom of Elohim, which bringeth no regrets. Chapter 55. But to bring forward examples of Gentiles also. Many kings and rulers, when some season of pestilence pressed upon them, being taught by oracles, have delivered themselves over to death that they might rescue their fellow citizens through their own blood. I think he kind of, uh, at this point, he, he kind of, he loses me here. Because I'm like not really interested in the, the Gentile kings. Uh, but let's just keep reading. Many have retired from their own cities that they might have no more seditions. I guess you could say in this way, they, they were... Also honoring Torah in that way, they had a you know a heart that right that they didn't want to cause seditions, and that's 
Even for a, a goyim, a, a pagan, that's still a good heart to have. We know that many among ourselves have delivered themselves to bondage that they might ransom others. Many have sold themselves to slavery. Wow. And receiving the price paid for themselves have fed others. Uh, of course, in Torah, you can also, you know, put yourself into slavery and, uh, you know, for a, a given number of years and, you know, pay debts. Many women being strengthened through the grace of Elohim have performed many manly deeds. There you go, ladies. The blessed Yehudith, uh, Judith, when the city was uh, beleaguered, uh, asked of the elders that she might be suffered to go forth into the camp of the aliens. So she exposed herself to peril and went forth for love of her country and of her people, which were uh, beleaguered. They were surrounded. Uh, and Yahuwah delivered Holofernes into the hand of a woman. To no less peril did Esther also, who was perfect in faith. That's kind of interesting. He says right here, Esther was perfect. He doesn't say she was a sinner. She was perfect. She exposed herself that she might deliver the 12 tribes of Yasharel when they were on the point to perish. For through her fasting and her humiliation, there she, so right there, she has the same heart of Moshe. Fasting, humiliation. She entreated the all-seeing master, the Elohim of the ages, and he, seeing the humility of her soul, delivered the people for whose sake she encountered the per peril. She was not trying to make a name for herself. She was trying to make a name for the Most High and for the people. And because of that, she has been honored, and we know her name, Esther. Otherwise, we'd never know who she was if she tried to make a name for herself. Chapter 56. Therefore, let us also make intercession for them that are in any transgression. That's what I just said earlier. When we see people that are sinning out there, guys, instead of like, you know, taking it to the podium and trying to show everybody and look at this person, look what they're, you know, it's like, no, look, intercede, pray for them. That forbearance and humility may be given them to the end that they may yield not unto us. Ooh, there's the key right there. Another cause of the schisms. We really want them to yield to us, don't we? but into the will of Elohim and the people who are causing rebellion. That's really what it's about. They don't want the will of Elohim. They want people to bend to their will. They feel out of control. They feel like uh, the narrative isn't going the way they want it. For so shall the compassionate remembrance of them with Elohim and the saints be fruitful unto them and perfect. Let us accept chastisement, whereat no man ought to be vexed, dearly beloved. The admonition which we give one to another is good and exceeding useful. For it joineth us unto the will of Elohim. For thus saith the holy word, Yahuwah hath indeed chastened me, and hath not delivered me over unto death. For whom? So, obviously, if Yahuwah loves us, he's going to discipline us. And um, if we're lawless and not being obedient, we'll be delivered to death. For whom Yahuwah loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. For the righteous, it is said, shall chasten me in mercy and shall reprove me, but let not the mercy of sinners anoint my head. And again he saith, Blessed is the man whom Yahuwah hath reproved and refused not thou the abnomition, um, ab, abnomition of the Almighty, for he causeth pain and he restoreth again. He hath smitten and his hands have healed. Six times shall he rescue thee from afflictions, and at the seventh no evil shall touch thee. In famine he shall deliver thee from death, and in war he shall release thee from the arm of the sword. 
And from the scourge of the tongue he shall hide thee, and thou shalt not be afraid when evils approach. Thou shalt laugh at the unrighteous and wicked, and of the wild beasts thou shalt not be afraid. My wife talked about that a lot recently, about the the wild beast um, not hurting the righteous. And, you know, there's that passage in, uh, is it Second Kings, where Elisha, you know, the, the, the children run up to him and, and mock him for being bald, whatever, and he sends the bears <laughs> to go maul the children. That's something you never learn in Sunday school. It'd be a horror story, but I wish they would. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the wild beast went and attacked the unrighteous children. For wild beasts shall be at peace with thee. Then shalt thou know that thy house shall be at peace, and the abode of thy tabernacle shall not go wrong. And thou shalt know that thy seed is many, and thy children as the plenteous herbage of the field. And thou shalt come to the grave as ripe corn, reaped in due season, or as the heap of the threshing floor gathered together at the right time. You see, dearly beloved, how great protection there is for them that are cha uh, chastened or chastened by the master. For being a kind father, he chasteneth us to the end that we may obtain mercy through his holy chastisement. And what he's basically saying here is what we read in Deuteronomy, that you can choose the blessing or the curse. No, it is not believing in Catholic Jesus. It is choosing to be obedient to him and his ways, his Torah. And that's what uh, Clement has already said here. If you are loving, then you are being obedient to it. That's what love is. He defined it as that. It's just like as John would in uh, First John. And if you choose the blessing, you will have these things. You will have children. You will have long life. You know, you will not be killed in the wars. And you look at all the people who were about to die in the war in, in 66 to 70 AD. It was really went to like 73 AD or something like that. And they say that there were millions. I, I think that they have the magic uh, 6 million number, amazingly. Uh you know, kind of throw that aside, but a lot of people died. Not the people, I believe, who were loving Yah. I believe that they escaped it. Uh, and, you know, as Yahush said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. A lot of people picked up a sword, they died by the sword, but not those who were loving Yah. Chapter 57 Ye therefore that laid the foundations of the sedition, submit yourselves unto the presbyters and receive chastisement unto repentance, bending the knees of your heart. Learn to submit yourselves, laying aside the arrogant and proud stubbornness of your tongue. For it is better for you to be found little in the flock of Messiah and to have your name on Elohim's roll than to be had in exceeding honor and yet be cast out from the hope of him. And this is what I talked about earlier that, you know, we know Nimrod, but we don't know anybody else who built the Tower of Babel. And if you read it, they say they wanted to make a name for themselves. We don't know any of their names. And they made a name for themselves. They were forgotten. And we see that all the time. Like, you know, archaeologists will dig up stones. and will be some king. And it'll be like some king who's exalting himself. And we're like, who is that? We don't know who that guy is. But he thought he was really great. And then we see people who, in the Bible, who just loved Yah. And they, they at any cost. And we know who they are now. Like, like Esther. We know who Esther is. For thus saith the all-virtuous wisdom, that would be the Ruach HaKadosh, Behold, I will pour out for you a saying of my breath, and I will teach you my word. Because I called, and ye obeyed not. And I held out words, and ye heeded not, but made my counsels of not effect, 
and were disobedient to my reproofs. Therefore, I also will laugh at your destruction. Well, tell us what you really think, Ruach HaKadosh. And will rejoice over you when ruin cometh upon you and when confusion overtaketh you suddenly and your overthrow is at, is at hand like a whirlwind. Or when ye call upon me, yet will I not hear you. Evil men shall seek me and will, will and not find me, for they hated wisdom and chose not the fear of Yahuwah. That's interesting to see that together because the fear of Yahuwah is the, is the beginning of wisdom, right? So they were not able to find wisdom because they didn't fear Yahuwah. So that's kind of interesting to see that like in a reverse order there. Neither would they give uh, heed unto my counsels, but mocked at my reproofs. Therefore, they shall eat the fruits of their own way, and they shall be filled with their own ungodliness. For because they wrong babes, they shall be slain. And inquisition shall destroy the ungodly. But he that heareth me shall do well safely, trusting in hope, and shall be quiet from all fear of all evil. Chapter 58. Let us therefore be obedient unto his most holy and glorious name, thereby escaping the, th the threatenings which were spoken of old by the mouth of wisdom against them which disobey, that we may dwell safely, trusting in the most holy name of his majesty. Receive our counsel, and ye shall have no occasion of regret. For as Elohim liveth, and Yahuwah, or I should say Adonai, Yahusha, Messiah liveth, and the Ruach HaKadosh, who are the, the faith and the hope of the elect, so surely shall he who will with lowliness of mind and instant and gentleness hath without regretfulness performed the ordinances and commandments that are given by Elohim, be enrolled and have a name among the number of them that are saved through Yahushua Messiah, through whom is the glory unto him forever and ever. Amen. There is another Revelation 14, 12 right there. Commands of the Father, testimony of Yahushua. Those are the ones right there. He defines it. Who will live in glory forever and ever. And of course, to obey the commands is not a uh, just a letter of the law thing. It's not just like, oh, I kept, you know, I didn't do anything the Sabbath. It's like, did you have a heart? Did you, were you, you know, did you truly love, was it spiritual? Chapter 59. But if certain persons should be disobedient to the words spoken by him through us, let them understand that they will entangle themselves in no slight transgression and danger. Keep in mind here, guys, if this sounds scary to you, like, ooh, you know, if I if I don't listen to what Clement says, I'm going to be cast out of the kingdom. Guys, he's defining it here again and again and again. It's the, the Father's commands, all right? So if you're not listening to him, which is obey the Father's commands, yes, all right, you're in danger. You are, you are in, as he says, no slight transgression, transgression of what the law, and therefore danger. But we shall be guiltless of this sin. And we will ask with instancy of prayer and supplication, so there he's taking on the role of Messiah, that the creator of the universe may guard it intact unto the end, the number that hath been numbered of his elect throughout the whole world, through his beloved son, Yahushua Messiah, through whom he called us from darkness to light, from ignorance to the full knowledge of the glory of his name. Grant unto us, Adonai, that we may set our hope on thy name, which is the primal source of all creation, and upon the eyes of our hearts, that we may know thee, who alone abideth highest in the lofty, holy in the holy, who layest low in the insolence of the proud, who settest the lowly on high, 
and bringeth the lofty low, who maketh rich and maketh poor, who killed and maketh alive, who alone art the benefactor of spirits and the Elohim of all flesh, who looketh into the abysses, who uh, scanneth the works of man, the 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 succor of them that are in pearl, the savior of them that are in despair, the creator, the overseer of every spirit who multiplies the nations upon the earth and has chosen out from all men those that love thee through Yahushua Messiah, thy beloved son, through whom thou didst instruct us, didst sanctify us, didst honor us. We beseech thee, Adonai and Master, to be our helper and succor. Save those among us who are in tribulation. Have mercy on the lowly. Lift up the fallen. Show thyself unto the needy, heal the ungodly, convert the wanderers of thy people, feed the hungry, release our prisoners, raise up the weak, comfort the faint-hearted. Let all the Gentiles know that thou art the Elohim alone, and Yahushua Messiah is thy son, and we are thy people, and the sheep of thy pasture. Good speech. The Academy should be applauding right now. Chapter 60. Thou, through thine operations, did make manifest the everlasting fabric of the world. Thou, Adonai, didst create the earth. Thou art, uh, thou that art faithful throughout all generations, righteous in thy judgments, marvelous in strength and excellence. Thou, thou, thou that art wise in creating and prudent in establishing that which thou hast made, that, that art good in the things which are seen and faithful with them that trust on thee, pitiful and compassionate. Forgive us our iniquities and our unrighteousness and our transgressions and our shortcomings. Lay not to our account every sin of thy servants and thine handmaids. Uh, let me read this again, this uh, verse 2. Lay not to our account every sin of thy servants and thine handmaids. That, that's one of my prayers. You know, don't hold my sins against me. But cleanse us with the cleansing of thy truth and guide our steps to walk in holiness and righteousness and singleness of heart, and to do such things are good and well-pleasing in the sight in the sight of our rulers. Yea, Adonai, make thy face to shine upon us in peace or shalom for our good, that we may be sheltered by thy mighty hand and delivered from every sin by thine uplifted arm, and deliver us from them that hate us wrongfully. Give concord and shalom to us and to all that dwell on the earth as thou gavest to our fathers when they called on thee in faith and truth with holiness that we may be saved. While we render obedience to thine almighty and most excellent name and to our rulers and governors upon the earth. A couple more chapters and we're done. Thou Adonai and master hast given them the power of sovereignty through thine excellent and unspeakable might that we, knowing the glory and honor which thou hast given them, may submit ourselves unto them, and nothing resisting thy will. Grant us unto, the, unto them, therefore, O Adonai, health, peace, concord, stability, that they may administer the government which thou hast given them without failure. For thou, O heavenly master, king of the ages, givest to the sons of men glory and honor and power over all things that are upon the earth. Do thou, Adonai, direct their counsel according to that which is good and well-pleasing in thy sight, that administering in shalom and gentleness with godliness the power which thou hast given them, they may obtain thy favor. O thou, who alone art able to do these things, and things far more exceeding good than these for us, we praise thee through the high priest and guardian of our souls, Yahushua Messiah. He just, he just called Yahushua our high priest. I love it. Through whom be the glory and the majesty unto thee both now and for all generations. 
and forever and ever. Amen. Can this guy pray or what? Oh, actually, wow, we have three more. Oh, we have three or four more chapters. They're really short. As touching those things which befit our religion and are most useful for a virtuous life to such as would guide their steps in holiness and righteousness, we have written fully unto you, brethren, for concerning faith and repentance and genuine love and temperance and sobriety and patience, we have handled every argument, putting you in remembrance that ye ought to please Almighty Elohim in righteousness and truth and long-suffering with holiness laying aside malice and pursuing concord and love and peace, being instant in gentleness, even as our fathers of whom we spake before, pleased him, being lowly-minded toward their father and Elohim and creator and towards all men. And we have put you in mind of these things the more gladly, since we know well that we were writing to men who are faithful and highly accounted and have diligently searched in the oracles and the teachings of Elohim. So he's saying the people he's writing to, they have searched out scripture and they're, they're holy men. And by the way, you guys, if you guys, uh, a great question to ask anyone in the church and Christianity, uh, what it is to be righteous, uh, Habakkuk, you know, Habakkuk 2.8 tells us uh, the righteous are those who are faithful. Uh, and that's exactly, you know, he talks about how Clement here is like, yeah, you can be righteous too. Be faithful. All right, 63. Therefore, it is right for us to give heed to so great and so many examples and to submit the neck and occupying the place of obedience to take our side with them that are the leaders of our souls, that ceasing from this foolish dissension, we may attain unto the goal which lieth before us in truthfulness, keeping aloof from every fault. For ye will give us great joy and gladness if ye render obedience to things written by us through the Ruach HaKadosh and root out the unrighteous anger of your jealousy according to the entreaty which we have made for peace and concord in this letter. I mean, it's a broken record at this point. He's saying, if you're taking part in a schism, it's unrighteous anger and you're jealous. You know, you know, we say that as a, you know, a child, you're so jealous or whatever, but that's what he's saying. It's the truth. And we have also sent faithful and prudent men that have walked among us from youth until old age unblamely, who shall also be witness between you and us. So, He's saying that here, here you have a people that have lived their whole lives and they were blameless. That's amazing. That's that's amazing testimony. And this we have done that ye might know that we have had and still have every uh, solicitude that ye should be speedily at peace. Chapter sixty four. Finally, may the all seeing Elohim and Master of Spirits and Adonai of all flesh, who chose uh, Adonai Yehusha Messiah and us through him for a peculiar people, grant unto every soul that is called after his excellent and holy name, faith, fear, peace, patience, long suffering, temperance, chastity, and soberness, that they may be well pleasing unto his name through our high priest and guardian. Yahusha Messiah, through whom unto him be glory and majesty, might and honor, both now and forever and ever. Amen. So, I mean, he's really laying out the, the doctrine here that, that Yahusha Messiah is still, at least when he was writing this letter, and he still is now, our spokesperson. He's our advocate. He's the one, clearly, that can forgive sins. He did in his own ministry. He forgives sins to those who are repentant. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want our sacrifice uh, physically. He wants our sacrifice of our hearts, our humility to come before him and, and, and repent of our wrongs, our transgressions of the law. Last chapter, 65. Now send ye back speedily unto us our messengers, Claudius, Ephibus, and uh, Valer Valerius Beto, 
together with Fortunates also in peace and with joy to the end that they may the more quickly report the peace and concord which is prayed for and earnestly desired by us that we also may the more speedily rejoice over your good order. The grace of our Adonai, Yehusha Messiah, be with you and with all men in all places who have been called by Elohim and through him, through him be glory and honor, power and greatness and eternal dominion unto him from the ages past and forever and ever. Amen. As I said, that guy, that guy can write a speech. He does some amazing prayers. I loved it. I hope you guys were really blessed by that. And, you know, we're kind of working on the time now. So I want to turn quickly to the, the Targum, Chapter 3. Uh, Michael has been waiting very patiently. Thank you, Michael. And I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to start the Targum. And we could take any questions or comments about Clement or Genesis at the end. I just want to make sure that we get time to go through this. And, Michael, I'm going to suggest, ask that you consider... Uh, I'll open up, but consider reading chapter three because I, I read one and two. And just if you want to read it, if not, just let me know. I will. Sure. Be, I will be right back, guys. Give me like 30 seconds or a minute. And we're going to start up our second uh, section for the night. And for the end of this video, shalom, everybody. <laughs> 